biggest news, the biggest reaction from the biggest sports. We've got your sporting fix covered all in one place. You're listening to the Sports Bubble. Yes, hello and welcome back to the Sports Bubble, your all-in-one sports podcast bringing you the biggest news from the biggest sports. This week it's an international week again, which means a week off from any of the thrills and excitement you've become used to with the Premier League. But at least if you're a golf fan, the Masters is getting underway at long last as Tiger Woods looks to retain the green jacket he won last year and win for the sixth time at Augusta. We'll have more on the Masters tomorrow, though, with a special preview. But in the meantime, we've still got plenty to cover today. The New Orleans Saints thrashed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday as Tom Brady suffered his worst defeat of his career. But just how good is Drew Brees? And is he one of the most underrated players of this generation? We've also got a game of Who Am I? as Rory and I both take it in turns describing athletes who have made the headlines recently as we attempt to guess quickly as possible. But first, let's take it back to the international break. In all honesty, I don't think many people wanted the Premier League to stop the way that it's going. It feels as well like it was just last week that there was another international break and we were discussing the exact same thing on this show. So I suppose the first question is, do we actually need this international break? It doesn't really seem like anybody is interested in it at all. Rory, I know that you feel strongly about this. So what is it about the international break that you dislike so much? Well, no one cares about it. It's it's just so irritating. And I think it disrupts, well, I think for a start, it disrupts the rhythm of the Premier League. Like you just said, the Premier League has been so exciting, so open so far this season. And it's been one of the best starts to a season we've seen from a, from a neutral standpoint. It's been absolutely incredible. The fact that we have all these teams competing, all these twists as well. I mean, how many times have we seen a change at the top of the table already? It's absolutely unbelievable. And what I find frustrating, though, is this international break, because who cares? Who cares that for this week, because of this international break, England are going to play some pointless friendly, which means absolutely nothing. They're not even going to start their strongest team. And it means a week without Premier League football. Now, it's no secret. I'm an American sports fan. And one thing I love about the way the NFL is run is the fact that there's no breaks. Once the season, yes, there's a big off season, but once the season starts, you're in it. You there's can't compare American football to normal football though in the no, but in terms of the schedule because there's no such thing as internationals in America no, no but I'm talking about of the course scheduling. there's not going to be any breaks I'm talking about but I'm, I'm talking about but the you can't compare the scheduling because they've never got anything to interfere with it yeah but the scheduling but my point is the fact that there's no breaks the Premier League as a product should not be having these breaks because I can guarantee you every time there's an international break people will lose interest in the Premier League and think oh you know what I can't be bothered anymore like, I mean, it's, it just disrupts. People formulate their plans over the Premier League. Pe- people plan their weekend over, over Premier League action. Now, obviously, at this point, it's at the moment we're not allowed into games and, and stuff like that. But people will still, it will still be a linchpin of, of people's weekend. And when there's just all of a sudden one weekend where there's no Premier League, but there is some boring international friendly that no one cares about. It's just you keep, you keep reverting back to this international friendlies idea, though, and I get what you're saying in that sense. When it's just international teams playing friendlies, it does seem fairly pointless, and a lot of people probably think, well, why are we doing this when the Premier League could just continue? But in a number of cases, or most of the time, 
the reason international breaks happen is because there are competitive games whether that's European Championship qualification, World Cup qualification in some places, or now we've got the Nations League. So competitive games that have Ooh, to be Nations. fulfilled because if you don't actually take these breaks, then these games aren't going to get finished. But no one cares. Like, look, look the thing is, I think... Inter- nobody cares about... You're saying nobody cares about European qualification. <laughs> no, because but, okay. from an England point of view, maybe. Because the thing about being an England fan when it comes to football is that anything aside from the European Championships and the World Cup is quite frankly boring because 99% of the time, unless you're thinking back to 2008, England are going to qualify for these tournaments, especially the way they do things now, where I think pretty much every time we end up with Liechtenstein or whoever in our group or San Marino, I think we've had three or four times, Moldova always seem to be in there, Bulgaria, these sorts of teams which we're bound to get results against. We're always going to qualify. And in that sense, we really don't care. But let's say you're a Wales fan. Let's say you're a Scotland fan, an Ireland fan. A lot of these international or a lot of people from these countries would live for these sorts of games, especially given that they don't normally qualify for the bigger competitions. These qualifiers mean everything to them. Scotland this week have their European Championship qualifier. Serbia versus Scotland on Thursday night in European Championship qualifying. Scotland fans are going to be so excited for that. I think you're thinking about it purely as an English fan when it comes to it, which is fine. And I think a lot of people would agree with you. But a lot of fans from Wales, from Scotland, from Ireland, from other nations, especially these ones that are competing to qualify for the European Championship, especially from these countries where these countries haven't actually qualified for these tournaments before, the international break is going to be very exciting. So you're arguing that if, if your international team is no disrespect, but below average slash terrible, then you then you enjoy the international break. Is that what you're arguing? So anyone who supports a decent a decent footballing country can't enjoy the international break. That's that's honestly what annoys me more. That's not what I'm saying at all, though, is it? That's not what, what I'm what, saying what at all. I'm saying that I can understand why people wouldn't enjoy the international break because it becomes quite repetitive and boring especially if your team is winning most of these games comfortably and it doesn't even feel like a competition but if you support a country which does have competitive games which doesn't qualify for the european championships or world cup easily then these international fixtures can be really exciting to a certain extent yeah i get where you're coming from but that doesn't mean that it's exciting for everyone does it and it still means that the it, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is exciting to support your team when there is a genuine chance you might not qualify and it's a must-win game. But that doesn't mean it's the same for everyone. And that, that's what irritates me because if there were to be some sort of league, and I do not mean the UEFA Nations League because I, don't even get me started on that. But if there was some sort of league that people would actually get excited about outside of the World Cup, outside of the Euros, then that would be something where teams would, it would be a must win every time. I'll give you a perfect example. I'll give you a perfect example. The other week, Spain played Portugal. Now, if that was in the World Cup or in the Euros, that would be an absolutely massive can't-miss game, wouldn't it? You have the likes of Ronaldo, uh, what, Bernardo Silva, Bruno Fernandes on playing for Portugal, you have, and, and half of Wolves' team as well. On Spain, you have the likes of Sergio Ramos, of course. You still have um, a bunch of world-class players, maybe not quite the side they used to be, but still two of the best starting 11s in world football clashing, you would think. And you think it's an exciting game. 
But no one cared about it. Listen, like, it was one of the most boring matches I've ever seen. It finished nil-nil. Spain clearly didn't care about winning that game because for some reason Kepa was starting in goal. And anyone who's watched Kepa play over the last two seasons will tell you he's statistically one of the worst goalkeepers in Premier League history and in European football history, for that matter. Statistically speaking, this isn't even my opinion. I can never think of an international call-up less deserved than Kepa playing for Spain. And that just tells you everything. The fact that they didn't, they clearly didn't care about that game, did they? Because they started Kepa in goal. And a Spain versus Portugal matchup, if there was actually something to really play for in that game, if there was actually something at stake, if it was some sort of tournament or some sort of something where... where well, I think, that raises, I think that raises the question then as to whether... I mean, that was obviously an international friendly. And as we've already said, I just don't really see the point in international friendlies unless it's in the months just before a World Cup or European competition. I just don't see the point in them happening. But... The Nations League. The Nations League is almost trying to be what you've just suggested. This tournament that can be, or this tournament which can be placed not quite in the same bracket as a European or World Cup competition, but can be competitive enough to make fans interested. It's relatively new still. This is only the second time the competition has actually happened. England obviously got to the semi-finals first time round, ended up finishing third. But are you excited by it at all? Or no. to you, does the Nations League just feel like a glorified friendly competition? Well, it is, a, it, it, it is a glorified friendly competition. And no disrespect to some of these teams, but there's way too many teams in there. And this is partly why... Well, one thing I will say in general about international football is I've long had the opinion that there are too many teams in the World Cup. There are far too many teams in the World Cup. There's teams every single year... That just, you know, they're not going to do anything. They're just there. They're passengers and they're not going to compete. You know, your Albanias, actually, I don't think I've ever been to one. Your, your Togos or your Slovenias or those sorts of teams, they're going to do absolutely nothing. If, if you look at this UEFA Nations League, there are far too many teams in there. Yes, you know, you've got your Portugals, you've got your Croatias, you've got your Germanys, but in and among them, you also have Israel and you also have Hungary. And you also have Bulgaria, who you mentioned, Luxembourg, Montenegro. I mean, come on. League C, Group 1, Luxembourg, Montenegro, Azerbaijan and Cyprus. Who okay. is going to watch that? Who okay. is going to watch those well, games? Probably fan, well, probably oh, fans of those respective countries are going to watch that, aren't they? I mean, there's, Obviously. Only, there's only five people. That literally, Luxembourg, I looked it up, has a population of five people. I'm like, so okay. are all five of them going to sit around the table and watch that? Okay, what so you've, we, we've established that you don't like the Nations League. I think that's fair enough. I don't Dude, really like it either. Pathetic. It's quite, I mean, it's, it's quite, I it's quite hard to have an opinion on it because it hasn't been around for very long, but it's pathetic. It, feels, it feels more than a friendly to me, especially when you're watching the players and the players seem to care about it. I remember when England beat Croatia a couple of years ago now and the players celebrated at the end of the game like they'd just won the World Cup final. So the oh. players do seem to care about it a bit. But I, do care. I can see where you're coming from. I'm not particularly invested in it myself. But that brings me on to my next point, which is that, yes, there are a few European qualifiers still to happen. There's still a few teams to be confirmed. But for the most part, 
We know the majority of teams that have qualified for the Euros. England have already done it. The main part of that qualification process has already happened. So England have two games this week, a friendly against Ireland and then a Nations League game against Belgium, who we played about a month ago. If we then link this with what these Premier League managers have been talking about, Klopp, Solskjaer, Guardiola have all been very outspoken in the last week about fixture congestion, about players getting injured, about players being forced to play far too much football in limited timeframes. When you consider that the vast majority of countries have no more than a Nations League game, and in some cases just have friendlies, when you consider the air miles that are going to happen, do you think that do you think it's stupid that managers are complaining about fixture congestion and everything when now they've put in an international break? Surely, surely this is a bad time to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's, the international break definitely does not help with fixture congestion, but I think fixture congestion is a problem in itself, even, even without an international break. It's interesting that Klopp has been, I think, the most probably the most outspoken advocate of having some sort of break in the Premier League or at least playing less games because when you think of Klopp's background, he's the guy who played in the Bundesliga, managed in the Bundesliga for a long time and their whole approach to fixtures is is completely different. They have a winter break. They have a they have like a four I think it's a four week period around December January time when there are no games and the players are able to recharge and and rest. Also when you when you consider that Germany have well, as pretty much every other European country except us, only have one domestic cup. When for some reason in England we have two, which is just stupid to be quite it's moronic to be quite honest. The fact that we we are the only country that has two domestic cups, it just means more fixtures. In a Premier League season, and then and then you also you also have the, the issue of the, the the Christmas period as well with the Premier League, when you often have players playing you know, playing one game on a Monday and then playing again on the Thursday and again on the Sunday. It's just absolutely ludicrous to expect this out of your players. And I think fixture congestion is a problem, is a problem in itself. International, the international breaks definitely don't, don't help that. But I think with regards, if we're going to talk about England specifically, it's, a, it's an absolutely huge problem, which very little has been done about. So another interesting thing is that the winter break, which they introduced in the Premier League last year, you've already touched on it with the Bundesliga, where they have a few weeks off, not just one week off, but actually almost a month, I think it is, isn't it? But last year in the Premier League, we saw some form of winter break implemented for the first time. I think they got a week and a half off in a lot of cases. They had a weekend off, then they had the next week off, and then they were back to it midweek from from memory anyway it was about a week and a half but it felt like enough time it felt like enough time it gave players the chance to you know go on holiday for a few days maybe or at least take a few days off training this year because of the scheduling because of everything that's happened with coronavirus and how late the previous season finished they've scrapped the winter break I don't know if many people I don't think this is that common knowledge to people I haven't seen many people speaking about it so far but they have scrapped that winter break that they introduced last year and said look we need to make up time from somewhere so we're not giving it to you but when you're considering that they're taking weeks weeks off to play nations league games i mean it was literally less than a month ago where we had the last international break where england played belgium and nations league happened surely 
if they're thinking about player welfare here, instead of going, oh, no, no, we're not going to give you a deserved break over Christmas because you've been playing for the last three or four months, they could just go, look, you know, it's been a global pandemic. We've had to make sacrifices. Let's just scrap the Nations League, given that nobody cares about it. If there was a vote, what do you think people would vote for? What would you vote for? Would you scrap the Nations League and keep the international break? You might have more football this way, but if you're actually thinking about player welfare, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I think scrap the <laughs> scrap the friendlies because it's it's just a bit it's a bit tedious having all these games. And I think it's just but whether to, or not you have the fr- whether or not you have the friendlies in between. You know, England yeah. have a friendly and then a Nations League game. The international break would still happen even if England didn't have the friendly in the middle. So no. I don't think it's a case of scrapping friendlies that much because most of the time these teams play two games during an international break. I think it comes back to the Premier League, doesn't it? And just to touch on a point you made a minute ago, if ever there was a time, a time in football history where players needed a break, a January, a Christmas break, a January break, whatever you want to call it, it's this year. When you think about since football returned in June, the players were forced to play a, a tight schedule of, of games and a pretty rigorous... I mean, it was they, they had to finish out the season in, I think, well... They, they had, what, like an eight-week period to finish the season, was it? And they had to basically cram in all those games. And then at the end of that season, they only had about a four-week break in August, I think it was. Usually they'd have a bit longer than that. And they let's be honest, I mean, I'm no physiotherapist, but that's not long enough. And considering that they only have a very short break from the end of last season, an end of the season in which they played a ridiculous amount of games, and then this season... They're going to just keep playing. They're expected to keep playing and also play these international friendlies, also play in the UEFA Nations League, and then not even have a break in January. I just don't understand. Then people wonder why teams have disappointing performances or why players get injured or why teams go in and out of form or why they're disappointed at the players showing a lack of motivation or whatever they want to call it on the football pitch because they're tired. And I think that's what Klopp was saying. Coming back to his interview, that's what he was saying the other day in that... Which, which I think was pretty noble of him. He actually, he said that for Tottenham, it was unfair to expect Tottenham to be playing on, on the Sunday morning because they'd literally played two days previously. And he was saying, even if you're not going to give them Sunday off, just at least, at least just at the minimum, let them, give them the morning, give, you know, have an evening game or have a later kickoff. So they're not immediately rushed out to the plate to play another football match. Yeah, I think you make some very good points there. And alluding to what Klopp said as well, I think Klopp made a lot of very valid points. If you actually break it down and consider what can the Premier League actually do, you'd have to say that scrapping international friendlies almost certainly isn't going to happen. As much as we would like to see it happen, as much as we think that they're quite boring, as much as people don't really care about the Nations League, it seems, they're not going to get rid of internationals anytime soon. But what can the Premier League do? given that injuries are up in the Premier League by 15% on last year, what can they do? Well, first off, they can do, as Klopp said, they don't have to make these teams that have played in Europe on Wednesday, on Thursday, why are you giving them the lunchtime kickoffs on a Saturday? Or if they're playing on a Thursday, why are you giving them the lunchtime kickoff on a Sunday? For scheduling reasons, as Klopp said, you might have to make them play on the Sunday, but give them as much rest time as possible. Because as much as it might not seem like a lot, that four hours could make all the difference. Or actually, given the way that times are working or Premier League games are working now, 
sometimes even on a Sunday, they're playing games at eight o'clock at night. If you give them that extra eight hours and give them the Sunday night kickoff instead of the Sunday morning kickoff, then it can make so much difference. That's eight hours more rehabilitation time. And in footballing terms, that could make the world of difference. The other rule, which I'm so surprised they haven't continued to implement, given that they brought it in at the end of last year for this exact reason, is why have they gone back to three subs? What was wrong with five subs? You're allowed five subs in the Champions League. Why can't you have five subs in the Premier League? Because if these players are getting if these players are getting injured, if these players are tired, then having five subs as opposed to three could make so much difference. There was also one other thing though as well. There was the there was a, the water break as well, which was happening. I think initially they were, they were thinking about extending that, and that was for me personally. I, I disagree with them getting rid of that because that was that allowed the players to have a break in the middle of in the middle of halves and actually at least hydrate themselves, recharge. Also, it, it added an interesting tactical element to things where the managers would be would have a chance to speak with the teams. And that was one way in which the Premier League managed to keep injuries down, I guess, for the, for the latter part of last season because players were not constantly, constantly playing football without rest. And honestly, I, I just... It, it really baffles me, this one, because I, how, how can you be surprised? How can you be... You're well and you're right to be disappointed, but how can you be surprised as a football fan or someone who has any connection to the Premier League when you're seeing all these injuries, all these disappointing performances, all these lacklustre games where you you know you think your team's not motivated or whatever you want to think? And in reality, it's because you're, the demand is too high from the players physically and it's something they just cannot keep up with and they're not being given these breaks and they're constantly expected to play and at a high level. And it's a near impossible task for some of these players, I think. We're going to move on to NFL talk now, Rory's favourite subject, and discuss last night's game between the New Orleans Saints and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was an interesting one to call this one. The Bucs have started the season pretty well, as have the Saints. Rory obviously would have been thinking that his man Tom Brady would have been able to get the job done. But on this occasion... He didn't do that. In fact, it was actually Brady's biggest defeat of his entire career as the Saints ran away 38-3 victors. We're not going to talk about Tom Brady on today's show, though. The player that I want to ask you about, who I think it's fair to say hasn't received anywhere near enough praise in recent years, especially as he should have done, and who ran the show last night, is Drew Brees, a player who... You've told me off air that you're a big fan of, so it's probably worth me asking you this question. How underrated do you think Drew Brees is? I'm assuming you wouldn't put him in the Tom Brady category, but when you actually look at his statistics from over the years, you look at his list of achievements, is he one of the most underrated quarterbacks ever? He's not one of the most underrated quarterbacks of all time. He's the most underrated quarterback of all time. And it's not even close. It's it's baffling, really, how Drew Brees is so overlooked in these conversations. He is the most passing yards of all time. He is the highest completion percentage of all time. He is the most touchdown passes of all time. And he's one of the most consistent players in NFL history. In his 15 years in New Orleans, he's been nothing short of phenomenal. He's also the most accurate passer ever. On top of that, 11 times has an NFL quarterback, I believe, thrown for 5,000 yards. Five of those times have been Drew Brees. 
He's the only quarterback with more than one season of throwing 5,000 plus yards. And it's just absolutely scary what he's been able to do with New Orleans. Ever, ever since he's arrived there with Sean Payton, they've they've transformed that team from being a bit of a joke, to be honest. I mean, they, they it was an organization that really couldn't buy wins and they were... They were, to a certain degree, the the sort of whipping boys of that division, the NFC South, until Peyton and Brees came in. And honestly, what what Drew Brees has been able to achieve in his career is nothing short of exceptional. He should be regarded as being one of the greatest quarterbacks ever because, statistically speaking, he's the most accurate passer ever. He has the most touchdowns ever. He has the highest amount of passing yards ever. And well, even even he has he also has the highest yards per game on average ever. It's just, it just, this list just goes on and on and on. He was exceptional again last night. He threw for four touchdowns. And what, what's funny is the fact that he didn't throw for 300 yards. We were almost thinking, oh, it wasn't, it was an average night for, for Drew Brees because we expect so much from him. And he's so consistent. I mean, he's 41 now, but he's still, he's still one of the NFL's elite quarterbacks. And perhaps his arm strength isn't quite what it was a few years ago, but he's still right up there. He's right up there with the other guys. And, it's really unfair that he does not receive some of the credit as, as some of these other quarterbacks you hear mentioned in the greatest of all time conversation. Okay, so you said there how you think he's the most underrated quarterback ever. But let's talk about comparisons now with some of the greatest quarterbacks of this generation. Your Brady's, your Manning's, your Rogers. How does he compare? Because when you actually look at the statistics surely it looks like he's in a similar bracket but we never really hear about him being uttered in the same breath well that's a good question and to be honest i don't really have an answer to it i think if you're going to compare him to aaron Rodgers, for example i think aaron Rodgers gets a lot of praise i mean i'm not going to take away from anything he's done because he's he's also an exceptional quarterback but when you actually look at it statistically breeze is arguably better than him if you're looking just purely at the numbers i mean people will say rogers fans will say that he makes throws that no other quarterback could make, and he's the greatest arm talent ever. I guess now Patrick Mahomes might have something to say about that if he keeps up doing what he's doing. Um, but yeah, I, to be honest, I, I honestly don't know. I mean, if you're going to compare him to Rodgers, I think that's a comparison. They both have two Super Bowl rings. Um, Breeze has a higher completion percentage, but then Rodgers has a higher passer rating. To be honest, I see those two as being very even. But I think what isn't even is the the amount of publicity that Rogers gets compared to Breeze. I, I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because he's the California quarterback, more marketable, Green Bay, massive fan base, and he makes these flashy throws. I, I genuinely don't know. Uh, Drew Breeze, I guess, there's the argument that he plays in an indoor stadium, so he's not making these throws in, in you know in the outdoor conditions, and that that's that's good if you're a quarterback that you're not having to deal with that. I just think there's no real reason why he shouldn't be held in the same regard as as an, as an Aaron Rodgers. I think Peyton Manning, that's a really tough one. Peyton Manning was sort of something else, and what what he brought in terms of not just his arm talent. I mean, he, he had arguably the strongest arm ever or one of them, but also the fact that mentally he was always the best prepared quarterback and it's no secret that he was effectively a coach. Having Manning as the quarterback was effectively having your head coach on the field. He called most of his plays. He, I mean, even in the last few games of his career in that in the AFC Championship and Super Bowl, you see him catching defences offside just literally by doing the hard count and stuff like that. And 
then the things he does with did with his arm through the air were just unbelievable. So, to be honest, I, I'd put Manning ahead of him. I think for me, Manning is the most physically gifted quarterback and I've ever seen who's who's played for that long. It's a very hard one to compare these guys. But yeah, I think I think Brady for me has that edge as being the goat because. And it, one thing that does annoy me is when people try and say that, that Aaron Rodgers is the GOAT because he's supposedly more talented than these other guys. And that just really annoys me because the truth is, there's all these these ifs and buts. Oh, but Rodgers was, wasn't on a good team. He didn't have the same coach as Brady. The truth is Brady has six Super Bowl rings and he's been to nine Super Bowls. Aaron Rodgers has one and he's only been to one Super Bowl and he's not been to one since. So those people just need to shut up until Aaron Rodgers is even comparable in terms of winning as, as Tom Brady is. No one's really comparable to Tom Brady when it comes to that category. That's the one area where he really separates himself. I think in terms of talent, in terms of just objectively speaking, who's a better quarterback, it's open to debate. But I think one thing is clear, and that's number nine, has built a Hall of Fame legacy in New Orleans. He's absolutely loved there, and rightly so. As well, as I mentioned earlier today, my... My first NFL jersey I bought was a Drew Brees jersey when I was in New Orleans and I didn't even know anything about the sport. I knew nothing about the NFL, didn't even know about the Saints, didn't even really know who Brees was to be honest. But what I did know was that guy was a great competitor and a guy who was revered there and the more I find out about this guy, he's an absolute model citizen. He's He's fantastic both as a quarterback and a, a great man off the field. He, he won the Walter Payton Man of the Year, I believe, a couple of years ago. Done a lot of charity work. He's one of the best liked and best respected guys in the NFL. And I think Drew Brees is one of those guys that I, I, I can't praise enough because of what he's done both on and off the field. And I think it's about time people start recognizing him as being one of the greatest quarterbacks ever because he's minimum top five, minimum top five. People might be distracted by... Aaron Rodgers making flashier throws than him, but statistically they're about the same level. Arguably, you could you could say that Breeze is better. Personally, I'd take Breeze over Aaron Rodgers, but I know a lot of people would disagree with that. Yeah, I, th I think Drew Breeze is is sensational. Last night he was he was incredible as well. And and what else I find interesting is that the guy, when you think back to 2005, this was a guy who suffered a, a season-ending injury on his shoulder. I think it was his throwing shoulder as well when he dislocated it he had to have surgery it was an injury that was so bad that that the, the team who drafted him the san diego chargers now the los angeles chargers decided to give up on him the fact that in 2005 his career was almost over he was he was traded pretty unceremoniously to the new orleans saints people were saying at the time that it was a desperate move for the saints to make and they couldn't understand why they why they'd trade for this injury prone quarterback also when you think about New Orleans this was just a year after Katrina and the devastation that that inflicted upon the city a beautiful city a year later Drew Brees arrives and he started something really special in New Orleans without a doubt and he's built a long-lasting legacy there and rightly so he's going to keep breaking these records as well until it's almost like on a weekly basis you'll see Drew Brees breaking another record and he's going to keep going and he's an absolute inspiration to anyone, not just NFL fans, but to sports fans in general or people in general. He's a guy who deserves our respect. We're going to finish today with another game. For those of you that enjoyed Sports Connection, that will be returning on Friday. But for today, we're going to keep things simple with a game of Who Am I? 
So Rory and I have both picked two athletes who have made the headlines somewhat recently, whether that be this week or past couple of weeks, but someone who's been or someone who's made the headlines fairly recently. We've written clues out for each other and we'll be trying to guess who each other has picked. So should we get straight into it? Uh, Rory, yeah. do you want to go first or second? I want to go first, mate. To be honest. Actually, no, 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 you know what? No, I'll, I'll let you go first this one time. Answer first or ask uh, first. Uh, give me your, your who am I first and I'll... We're not going to reveal what sport it is, are we? That's too easy. That's too easy. Okay. All right. So your first clue for your first athlete is, I began my career at the French club Rouen in 2005. <laughs> is it Edouard Mendy? 2005. Well, he's old. You think Edouard Mendy's been around for 15 years? Well, he's old. He's older than people realize. I mean, okay, yeah, he'd be hard to be about 15 by Yeah, then. he's late 20s. He didn't begin his career when he was 12. Okay, fine. Next clue. Okay. I've scored four goals in 22 appearances for my national side. Oh, it's going to be some obscure team as well. Is, is, is this going to be like. No, you know what? Carry on. These, these, are, these are rubbish clues. Carry on. Yeah, but that, I think that's the point, isn't it? We don't want you to yeah. get them too quickly. I'll clarify now that the clues do get easier as they go along. But thank God for that. You know, this is context. I thought mine well. was. I thought mine were hard, but you'll get mine. Next clue. I've played for three Premier League clubs. I was going to say Nicholas and Elka, but he's probably he's probably he's more than three Premier League clubs. I think he's, 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 yeah, he's, he's played, played for about ten. Liverpool, um, City, Arsenal. It's not William Gallas. Chelsea. Is it William Gallas? It's not William Gallas. That's bold. Or you've just got that purely from the French, French side of things. Played for a few Premier League clubs. Yeah, it's not a bad guess. Yeah, it's not a bad guess. Four goals and 22 appearances for my national side. I think that throws it off a bit. My national side is not going to be fair. So the next clue, you'll either get it off this one or you won't have any idea. You'll either get this reference or you won't. So clue number four, I love syrup. Ah, I know who it is. It. I know who it. it is. I know who it is. It's I wasn't Denver sure. Bar. It is Denver, Denver Bar. Bar. It's Denver Bar. Oh, what a legend. I mean, I, I wasn't too keen on him last week when he scored that goal. That, well, to be honest, it was more just an embarrassment on United's front, wasn't it? Giving up that goal. It was just, they looked like a bunch of schoolboys when, when Bar was able to have a clear run on goal and score that. I mean, I've, I've a certain, I mean, you know what? He has a certain place in my heart because of that goal he scored against Liverpool. That was quite funny. Yeah, I, I'm glad that you've seen that interview as well, that infamous Sky Sports interview. I love how it's sort of, it's, I mean, we're, we're both journalists. Like we've, we've all been there. I mean, having an interview and it's like, not that the interview is going badly, but you're sort of thinking like, eh, how can we make this a bit more interesting? What can we get out of this guy? And then he's like, yeah, no, I mean, because I, th I think he asked him the question at first and he didn't really understand or, you know, he was like, I don't know why you're asking me this. And it's just quite funny, isn't it? How it goes from like him asking him like, yeah, just tell me something, anything interesting about yourself. And then he comes out with that absolute gem about the syrup. But I, I'm not entirely sure whether or not it was a joke or not. I think it probably could be. <laughs> I don't think he was joking. <laughs> But it's quite hard to tell but then oh, i'll tell you the clues that i had which i didn't have to come on to but the next one was i failed a medical at my first premier league club that was obviously at west ham did jack wilshire and andy carroll actually pass medicals at west ham like is that did that really happen well this is the baffling thing is that yeah i mean yarmolenko carroll 
Wilshire, all of these players who have histories of injuries past their medicals with relative ease, it seems. But then Ben Rama obviously failed his a couple of weeks ago because of problems with his blood test results or something along those lines. But he eventually signed, played really well against Fulham on Saturday night as well, got the assist in the dying minutes, gave away a penalty as well. So um, a, a strong start to his nearly lost career, his, but... Well, nearly lost his three points there. But OK, before we move on, though, can we at least talk about that pathetic penalty by Luckman against West Ham? Oh yeah, it's a good yeah, it's a good it's a good way to come on to it. To be fair, honestly, I think probably the worst penalty I've seen in the history of the Premier League. The only one that comes close for me is that Henri and Perez one from back in the day where they tried to do the clever little touch off and it didn't quite go to plan and they messed it up. But other than that, I think given the context of the game as well. 98th minute, Fulham, a relegation threatening club, could come away with a point and he does that. I, it, I'm struggling so to think of one that's worse. He tried to be Pirlo. He, he, he thought for that split second, like, you know what? This is my moment. I'm going to I'm gonna do a Pirlo here. And like, oh, it's just ridiculous. I think the worst part is that Fabianski actually dives the wrong way. So he does actually fool the goalkeeper. But it's so pathetic it that he manages to get back. So he manages to get back up again and turn the opposite way and still stop it. It was just so slow as well. The fact that like he literally had time to like he made his decision and he had time to think. Oh wait, no, no, no. He's 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 trying to do this. James I can only imagine the sort of abuse he got in that dressing room afterwards. Such a huge L. I mean, can you imagine what Scott Parker will have had to say to him after that? <laughs> I think Scott Parker even said in his interview that it's one thing missing a penalty, but to miss it in, in that manner is just unforgivable. And I it's think it's safe to say that I don't think he'll ever be on penalty duty again in his career. Are we going to see him again? Is he going to make it out of Craven Cottage? Well, the, the thing is, is that he was Fulham's best player by an absolute mile on Saturday. He was so good. He does look a really good signing. He looks like he's got a lot of potential, yeah. And that's not going to do anything for his confidence. Yeah. Right, Rory, should we move on to uh, your first two? Am I for me? I think, I think we should. First clue. I am bilingual. Again, it really doesn't narrow it down at all, does it? Um, Harry Kane? <laughs> was <it> Why <laughs> would it be Harry Kane? <laughs> okay, second clue. During the 2011-2012 season, I was loaned out to Everton. The 2011-2012 season, I was loaned out to Everton. Okay, I'm trying to think about players that might have been loaned out there. I feel like a lot of Man United players have been loaned out to Everton. Nah, not alone. Um, oh, I can't think of the top of my head. You're going to have to give me another one. Oh, actually, is it Darren Gibson? <laughs> no. Oh, Darren I don't, he's not bilingual either, I don't think, is he? But... That's another one, of, another one of our outcasts who ended up at Everton. But I think he did go on loan, didn't he, to start so with? So many. Him. You know what? You could, you could probably make a starting 11 of like Manchester United outcasts at Everton, couldn't you? Yeah, did cleverly go to Everton for a bit? Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. Anyway. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to get it off that one. Third clue. I have made 43 appearances for England. On loan from Man United. Came on loan from Man United. I'm trying to think. So someone who actually probably got game time at Man United as well, if they played that many times for England. I'm trying to think of a position. That's such an imbecile. I never said Manchester United. You said Man United. All I said... Oh, did you not say Man United? I never said Man United. All I said was that he went to. He was on loan at Everton. You just assumed that that meant he was Manchester United. And In 2011? 2011-12 season, he was on loan at Everton from his parent club. 
That doesn't oh. automatically. They do sign players who don't come from Manchester United. You know that, don't you? I don't know why I assumed that. Okay. You just, you just okay. thought that was a fact. Like, oh, that he must be Manchester United. I mean, yes, we know that United's okay. leftovers go there, but. It's... I'm thinking Gareth Barry, but it's not Gareth Barry. He moved so much later. Lescott? Was Lescott at Everton? But he wasn't on loan there, I don't think. Lescott? It's not Lescott. No. Okay, this clue, you know what? This, this, the fifth clue, I think, should give it away. This should be definitely... my fifth clue. Oh, no, no, wait. No, I missed one, actually. Yeah. No, fourth clue. I was born in Cheltenham. Yeah, move on. I'm not going to get that, <laughs> am I? Brilliant. Oh, how was that the fourth clue? You should have started with that. Okay, so he's posh. That's what I'm going to... I don't think posh would be the first word that comes to mind when you think of this bloke, but okay. Number five. This will give it away, I think. Number five. I grew up in Portugal. I grew up in Portugal. Ooh, I'm, I'm really surprised you didn't get that. I know who it is, but this guy was on loan at Everton. Eric Dyer was on loan at Everton. He's Eric Dyer. Eric Dyer. <laughs> it is. It no is. way. Did he play for Everton? When did he play for Everton? It's Eric Dyer. Yeah, I don't know that either. Did he actually play any games for them? I don't know. Um, well, I'll have a look here. Um, oh, well, actually, actually, okay, okay. Oh, if- you absolutely screwed me here, haven't you? He definitely <laughs> did not play for Everton. <laughs> you know what's really funny? Is he was on the? He didn't play for any games for Everton, but but this is when he was in Sporting's youth academy. He was loaned out to Everton's youth academy. Nah, that is nah, nah. That does not count. Well, that still means that is ridiculous. Count. You can That is su- <laughs> you, no. You're just a sore loser because you you didn't think outside the box with this one. That is a joke. <laughs> He was still. He was at Sporting Lisbon. He was on loan at Everton. You but you should have said Everton. Everton's youth academy. Okay. Do you want? Do you want to? Let, do you want me to let you in on secret? I actually didn't look. I. I, I actually. The when, when I looked at it, I actually just saw he was on loan at Everton. I didn't bother <sighs> to look that he hadn't made any appearance for them or that it was the youth academy. But still, you could have got that. You could have. Such got a joke. That. Right. Okay. So I got there in the end. Then I think we well, both got it on the fourth clue in the end. Okay, so your second one Fourth clue. is, your first clue for your second one is, I'm often considered one of the best British athletes in history. Oh, for God's sake, no. That's quite a nice first clue. No. If, if that does narrow it down. If, if this is Lewis Hamilton. It's not Lewis Hamilton. Okay, good. Yeah. So this one, you could get it off the next one. In 2016, I won a Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards for being an inspirational athlete. Oh, for God's sake. No. What? No idea. Nickelodeon award for what? Yeah, Nickelodeon Kids Choice Award. For being an inspirational athlete. Yeah. You don't watch the Nickelodeon Kids Choice Awards then? No, I'm not 12. Okay. I, no, I, I don't know. I don't know. I won the 2017 Sports Personality of the Year Award. Well, that award, the thing is, that award always, go, always goes to someone who doesn't have a personality. So I'm going to think of athletes who just don't have a personality. Oh, no, it's not that guy. It's not that guy. <laughs> it is, isn't it? It's that Welsh guy that that won the Tour de France. Geraint Thomas. Geraint Thomas, that's it, yeah. It's it not Geraint Thomas. Next clue. No, hang on. I should know this, though. 2017. I'm trying to think what happened in 2017. I'm going to give you your next clue. Yeah, go on. I beat the cube. Oh, for God's sake. Come on. Oh, come on. Have you got it off this? What do you mean, I beat the cube? That's meaningless. That's not sport, is it? Only one guy has ever beaten the cube. To be honest, mate, here's the thing. It's big news. 
Hang on, let me think. If it's what what were the first clues again? You, they've won. I'm the, often considered one of the best British athletes in history. I won the 2017 Sports Personality of the Year. I've won a Nickelodeon Kids Choice Award, and I beat the Cube. Hang on, it's not Harry Kane, is it? No. I can't believe. How is he not? Won? You're not. If you haven't watched the Cube, you're not going to get it. He's the only person ever to beat the Cube. So. Is he actually? Yeah, that's a big achievement. Okay, next one. This is probably going to give it away. I have four Olympic gold medals and six world championships. I know goals. who this is. I know who this is. I, I, I didn't realise he'd won sports personality either. Is it Chris Hoy? No. What? Chris Hoy had retired by 2017, I think. What is it? What was, what was happening again? You're being stupid now. <laughs> oh, come on. I mean, repeat the last one. What was it? Six gold medals? Six world championship golds and four Olympic golds. It's not Tom Daly, is it? No, Tom Daly doesn't have four <laughs> Olympic gold medals. <laughs> oh, God. So he competed in... Okay, fine. You're on to your final clue. Or oh, there's two Tom, more. Did you ever actually oh. say it was a he? Then I didn't at first, but I've told you now that it is. Oh, God. Okay, the next one. I've recently been announced as appearing on the new series of I'm Celebrity. Get me out of here. Oh, my God. That's just some. I actually, I actually don't know. No idea. I actually don't. I know. You've been keeping Kays up with your celebrity gossip, Rory. No. Well, I know Vernon Kay's in there. It's not Haskell. He, he's not one sports personality yet. <laughs> no, he definitely oh. hasn't. <laughs> James Haskell. <laughs> it would be funny though if you. I'd love it. He doesn't have four Olympic gold medals either. I would, I would like to make the case though. James Haskell should probably have won sports personality year at some point. He's a great bloke. He's a funny bloke. Of course you think Haskell is a great bloke. Um, okay, let me think. Someone who... Oh, God. And I'm, I'm a celebrity. Like, what happened in 2017? Like, that's not an Olympic year. Like, no, I swear, nothing interesting happened in 2017. No. It's not Raheem Sterling. No, he's not one, he's not one gold medal, has he? <laughs> Your face. Honestly, this Honestly. is a really tough one. Is it... Right, okay. Okay, okay. Is this an athlete who I like? Do I like them? Is that I matter? think it's hard not to like this guy. Yeah, but it would massively narrow it. When you think about all the people I don't like, it would probably massively narrow it down if it's someone I like. I think you like him. Should I give you your final clue? Uh, your final clue. And if you don't get it off this, then you shouldn't be hosting a sports Joffre podcast. Archer. Joffre Archer. Yeah. Oh, he's not Are you joking? He's Do not you even know who Joffre Archer is? He's an England bowler. Okay. <laughs> Fine, it's not. Who, who is? Go on, give me this clue. I'm a distance runner. Uh, see, there we go. I, I was right. You know what? I was right. I was right when I said that award goes to people who don't have a personality. Mo Farah. I like it is Mo Farah, yeah. But he's sort of notorious for being like a quiet guy. Probably a lovely bloke, but like... He's got a personality. He's an iconic British athlete. One of the best British athletes ever. He's beaten the cube. No, no, no. You know Four what? Olympic I, gold I, medals. I, I like... You know what? It, I, I, I do like Mo Farah. I think... I didn't actually realise he won sports personality of the year, though. I didn't realise that. What did, what did he do in 2017? I, I, I don't actually know, if I'm being honest with you. Because so what did he was do? It, a world, it might have been a world championship year. It wasn't an Olympic year, was it? So so it wasn't an Olympic year. It was, was that how bought? Really? Well, no discredit to him. But, I mean, what happened? I was trying to think, like, what sporting events happened in 2017? Not much, apparently. But Right. Do you want to give me your final one, then? 
you'll never get this, mate. You're gonna love this. All right, okay. First clue. I'm loving this one because this first clue is something which will throw you immediately. The first NFL jersey that Rory Jones bought had my name on the back of it. Brilliant. Um, okay. Well, I'm guessing it's not a Raven shirt then. Right. So probably not going to be Brady because that's too obvious. And I, 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 yeah, I mean, I've got no idea. I was drafted by the San Diego Chargers. No idea. Move on. I almost retired through injury in 2005. Is he retired now? No. Almost retired through injury in 2005. Drew Brees. F***. <laughs> what? Are you actually joking? Is that right? Are you, are you actually joking? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that What? Oh, come on. How did you get that? Well, because there aren't many players still going that have been playing since 2005. <laughs> what? How the hell did you get that? The fact that he's played 15 years since since his injury. What? Oh, my God. Oh, I really thought that. Oh, man. I did not think you'd get it off that. My next clue was going to be I'm a quarterback. And you only know about three quarterbacks anyway. I'm still absolutely shocked that you got that. Because oh, you really caught me off guard. I mean, honestly, I was my next clue was going to be I once starred in a commercial with Harry Styles. I wouldn't have got it off that. But I, it's fairly obvious, given that we've been talking about Drew Brees. I mean, the last, but, but last one. The last You've been going on about how much you love him. But the I last... knew it was going to be an NFL player. And I knew it wasn't <laughs> going to be Tom Brady. It does narrow it down a lot. It is an amazing story, though, Drew Brees. My, my last clue was literally going to hand it to you. I was going to say, the second team I played for was the New Orleans Saints for whom I since made 224 appearances, passed for 67,000 yards and 484 touchdowns, winning a Super Bowl and building a Hall of Fame legacy. Yeah, I would have got it off that. You would have. Def- I think I win that then, don't I? You win? Wait, what was your second one? I thought- Mo Farrow, have you already forgotten? Of course, yeah, God. Maybe it's... <laughs> So enough. yeah, I, I take the win on uh oh, come on. Wait, first ever instalment of the Force Bubbles Who Am I section. Because Wait, I got it in no, less no, time. It's one, one. I got yours. I got yours though. Yeah, but I got it in less time. Yeah, yeah but that's the way, that's the way it works. Anyway, so I take the win on our first ever instalment of Who Am I on the Sports Bubble. If you want to see more Who Am I, then do let us know. Get in touch with us on social media, on Twitter and on Instagram at The Sports Bubble. On Friday as well, as I said before, the Sports Connection will be returning and we may well have some more interactive games for you guys to get involved with as well. But we do hope you've enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you next time.